The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Aruna Chandrasekharan. Aruna is a transformation strategist with over 10 years of experience in the Agile space and over 25 years in information technology. She is currently involved in her fifth largest transformation effort and is particularly interested in coaching leadership that's sponsoring transformations because over the years she has realized that no matter what you do in the trenches, the leaders are the ones who have to help sustain any change. Aruna, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Glad yeah, I was. it was a delight to get to meet you uh, at the Agile Conference this year and I was um taken by some of the content on your business card. So I'm really looking forward to, to digging into your story around kind of your personal values and manifesto. But before sure. we get there, I'd love to hear um, kind of the story about like, when did you join the Agile community and what led you here? Sure. I uh, So this is 2007. You're going back a few years. Um, I was leading a really young technology team. We were brought together to for one purpose, which we were building a, we were working for a commercial properties financial company, and we were building a loan origination system. And the goal was that we'd get requirements in the morning and we'd put out production quality code in the night. And I was a new mother and it became unsustainable really quickly because um, requirements weren't well thought out. And we just couldn't get all that work done in a day. And while we were this SWAT team, we were failing. Um, I found this conference called No Fluff, Just Stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm familiar with No Fluff, Just Stuff. Yeah. It was its Java conference. We went over there with my team, and we had a great two days. And I ended up going to this workshop for product ownership, and I didn't know anything about it. It was run by some guys from ThoughtWorks. And uh, I went through this workshop, I came out of that with my eyes open to the notion of, wow, here's something that could be, be, that I could use as an insurance policy for myself and my team because we had none. So yeah. I went back to my boss and I said, hey, there's this thing called Agile. Um, we're doing so bad. We couldn't do any worse. And we experiment with this. We can only go, we can't go any worse. So we'll just go up higher if it works for us. So we invited ThoughtWorks in and that was the start of our journey. That, that's really cool. It's like, I, I almost feel this weird light radiating through me of excitement. Cause it's like, I've had those moments sitting in a workshop where it's like, Oh, this is good. This is going to be good for us. And that's, so that was it. Because, you know, we were just dying, you know, we were, we were yeah. ridiculous hours and we, it was always on us. You know, the way I feel about agile is it's the one approach, one mindset that allows accountability for all. Everybody is equally empowered and everybody is therefore equally accountable, mm -hmm. right? So that's the thing that I love about the frameworks within in, in this umbrella called Agile. That's what I love about the mindset uh, about because I, I it's an insurance policy for me as a developer. It's an insurance policy for me as a product owner. It's an insurance policy for me as a stakeholder because I, because I get to give feedback as I need to. I mean, it's just a great all-around insurance policy. Yeah. So, right. So if you went to no fluff, just stuff and right, you kind of alluded to it there. Did you, were you, did you get your start in kind of engineering and development practices? 
Well, no, I have been, I went, I did my degree in information decision systems uh, in, and I've been in IT for all these years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got introduced to XP and continuous integration through ThoughtWorks when they came over to help me. And okay. Uh, and this notion of vertical slicing, that was another aha moment for me. When I sat down and we were looking at this page that we had to build, and I was sitting with this ThoughtWorks consultant and we were talking about it. And I said, well, we've got to build out all these. I did the typical thing, which is I've got to build out all the, I've got to put the fields up and then I'll worry about the middle layer and then I'll worry about the back end. And he just made this simple statement. He was, why don't we put two fields up and work it all the way down? And make the whole plumbing work. And that way, when we add two more fields, we know the whole page works each time. Or we'll know what doesn't work. But we yeah. know it really well. And, you you know, you contain your blast radius of mistakes. I want to tell you, that oh. was another moment. That was like... I, I love yes. that phrase. I don't want you to get too far away from that. By building in vertical slices, yes. we um, contain the blast radius of our mistakes. Yeah. That is, that's such beautiful language to describe exactly the kind of risk mitigation that goes on there. Yes, because, you know, every time you add on to it, it's like an onion that you add layers to, right? Yeah. Simple. You make the whole thing work with simplicity. And then you go ahead and add layers. You amplify it. You add some richness. But each time you add richness, you are exercising the plumbing. Right. So, you know, at the end of this, when you finished your whatever the output was or the outcome was, your plumbing works. So you're able to contain them, you know, you can, you're able to isolate where you may have gone wrong. Yeah, That was another aha moment. And I mean, that technique and that mindset is what helped my team kick ass after that. That's how how we approached, approached our work. Yeah, yeah. So if you rate, so you were talking about back in kind of 2007, you went to No Fluff Just Stuff, you started working with ThoughtWorks. When would you say you really started identifying as someone that was part of the Agile community? So tell me what you mean by part of the Agile community, as somebody who's contributing to the community or somebody who gets it and likes it and lives it? Yeah, so I think... um, kind of being out there, right? You were at the conference um, in, in DC this year and sort of kind of like participating outwardly from a collaboration standpoint. Ah. All right. So that's, uh, I've only started doing that over the last couple of years. Okay. Um, before that, I think I was in a journey of my own. I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what I wanted to do, uh, where, what kind of in- engagements do I want to be in? What was my... Where, what was my own evolution as an agile agilist, right? Yeah. So I wasn't focused on speaking in the community. I was attending meetups, but I wasn't speaking. I didn't feel like I had anything to say. Till about two years ago, I um, or three years ago, I started um, in Cognizant. I became a practice lead for all their banking and financial um, accounts in terms of agile practice lead. So I was there helping the account teams and the sales teams sell solutions and um, sell strategy. I was there talking to executives about their issues. And what I realized was that I had, I had a lot of experience that I could draw from and I had some wisdom apparently that I could share. Um, And some things that I enjoyed learning when I met new people and we had these open collaborative sessions. So I decided to use that as a stepping stone and over the last year and a half, I've really worked on um, being a speaker at local meetups and 
um, really trying to make a concerted effort to, to uh, submit for conferences. In fact, I'm going to be speaking at the Agile Camp and Dallas event in November. So I'm really happy about that. It's on a topic that I am experimenting with right now. So as part of the community, actively about a year and a half to two years. Okay. That's what so then even, so even before kind of going into this journey, becoming a speaker, you talked about kind of attending meetups, but not necessarily knowing what you, you'd have to say, right? Being that this is, right, we're exploring concepts and, and topics around women and agile. What would you say your experience as a woman um, has been going through that process? Did, did you, is there anything in particular you noticed about it? About being, so as a woman in Agile, I mean, regardless of the community interactions, I think it's a double-edged sword for me, okay? There are things that work for me really well because I'm a woman and because I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. They work really well. uh, There are things that I can say and do and get away with that guys cannot. Do do you have an example of some of those? Um, some of things, I, so, so some of it is my humor, my sense of humor. When I'm teaching <laughs> class and somebody's giving me some wacky answer and I'll say, I will beat you, you know, it's a funny thing. And it, you know, they will, you know, they, I can get away with that. I'm thinking it's because I'm, I'm a woman. I can get away with it. I don't suppose a guy could get away with that. Uh, I'm really no threat. And it's, it's always a laugh. There are other things that I say and do that my partner, the one I usually partner with is uh, William Davidson. He's the guy who's the one who's really encouraged me to go out there and speak. And when I partner with him, we tend to say, you know, we are like a comedy show. And then he tells me later on that there's stuff that you say, honey, I cannot get away with, which is true. Yeah, there is privilege in some of that sometimes. Yes. Now, on the other hand, uh, there's also things like as a coach, as a woman coach, I think that I'm able to get to the softer side of the team faster. Mm-hmm. Um, get to I get to observe the dynamics. I'm very observant. I'm very I feel like I'm very intuitive, and I catch on to things quickly. And as I watch people, I ask and I coax and I tease, and I'm able to get even reticent people to smile. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because I'm a woman or is this, I'm just a fabulous conversationalist. I'm not quite sure about that. But I think I think it's something that's true with my gender and the things that I lean towards versus some, a guy would lean towards. Um, I get there faster sometimes. Okay. On the other hand, as I said, it's a double-edged sword. I, I do work for a, a Cognizant, and it's largely male-dominated company, and women are still growing in this in this organization. And I'm one of the few women leaders in the organization, right? So when I'm in a room, I'm mostly in a room with all men. And Agile, for good or for bad, has a certain reputation. So between being a woman and being an Agile in an all-male meeting, it definitely has a certain bias or prejudice that's not always positive. Right. Right, and I have to manage that, and I have to manage that in the way I speak and letting them know that I know what I'm talking about and in this particular domain, and you know, I am the, I am the resident expert, at least in the room. So there's a lot of that, a little bit of swagger that has to be there. There's a lot more work I have to put in intentionally versus... And when I'm coaching, I don't really have to put in any work intentionally over that. Yeah. How, as you navigate that, how do you find yourself um, kind of weaving in and out of the pl- 
and I even hate using the phrase playing game, but showing up in a more masculine way in order to establish that credibility versus really sitting in whatever your true authenticity is. Is that part of, you talked about being intentional. Um, can you unpack a little bit of that for us? So as it turns out, I if I know, so a lot of the, as a coach in, in, a, in a client sites, right? There's Cognizant is a large company. They have accounts. And there are a lot of people, Cognizant team members who are in these accounts and in these initiatives that I am coaching. So when I know that they are there, I just become more aware and I want them to know the relationships that I have with the stakeholders in that initiative. And that's important because it's all about perception at that point. Mm-hmm. So when they notice my interactions with stakeholders and, and you know, and the respect that I'm given and the fact that they're listening to me, they're actually listening to the advice I'm giving them on large initiatives and large programs. It, it, I want them to make, pay attention to that and I want them to notice that interaction because that's what gives me uh, some, adds, adds some weight to my name when it comes to decisions on the, on the account. Right. That's when I'm invited into conversations that I wouldn't otherwise be invited to. Right. Right. And that is just the nature of this particular culture. Yeah. So. Right. Can we play with culture just a little bit more? Um, because right. Not only as a female. Right. But um, right. There's cultural aspects from right. You know, the ethnicity perspective. And how is that played into your agile journey? Um, and different things that you've had to navigate that may be sort of inspiring or insightful for others? Well, I think it's actually worked to my benefit because um, at least, you know, unfortunately, uh, I'm going to say that right now, uh, as in most of these agile journeys start in information technology. Mm -hmm. And most of the uh, teams that are involved in these agile journeys are largely mainly Indian teams, and I'm an Indian, right? I come from India. Um, and whether it's where I'm, I'm coaching a cognizant team or a non-cognizant team, largely, for the most part, they've been dominated by Indians. And there's a dynamic there that you only understand if you are another Indian. Right. And that has worked to my advantage, right? And I cl- uh, let, let me give you an example. Um, I was working for this uh, airline company and I was partnering with the coaches from another organization and one of the ways they did uh, maturity assessments for agile for these teams was that uh, you know I would not assess my own team or the teams would not assess themselves a different coach would come and do that have that session with them and I had a session with this one team and they were all Indians very quiet team but I spoke to them for about two hours we interacted we talked there were lots of laughs I got a great um, I had a great session with them, got, I thought it was a pretty honest uh, rating on their, where they were with things, you know, with practices that we cared about or that that company cared about in terms of maturity. And then the coach made a remark to me after the session was over, as you're walking back to where we all sat, he said, you know, I've never seen that team come alive the way you did. You made them come alive. I've been coaching them for months and there's always a distance and a wall, but you come into the room, you're just assessing them something that should scare them a little bit. And they weren't scared. They were just talking to you and, you know, they were laughing and they were honest. That's the most candid I've seen them. And I think that's because they saw me as a fellow Indian coming to talk to them. 
And those things, I think, matter when you think about who we are coaching, what is a large part of that population, the cultural connection, I think, matters. Yeah. So so with that, right, the, those of us that are, are not Indian, um, is mm-hmm. there anything when we operate in the space of coach that is important for creating a space that invites more of that authenticity? And I, something I picked up on was a little bit of maybe lightness in the interactions to maybe make yeah. that more meaningful. Yes, I think a couple of things that I think we should, uh, as somebody who's coaching an Indian team and who's not from that culture, should do is l- figure out what the dominant language is. Hindi is very popular. Most of them speak Hindi. So you're showing an interest in their language and learning a few words helps. Okay. Talking about food, their food and being curious about the food, the festivities. If they're largely Hindus and Hindus have a lot of festivals. If they're not Hindus, but they're mixed, just talk to them. Show them that you have done your research in the culture and that you're willing to you know, show them what you've learned and you're not afraid to be, you know, teased about it. The other thing will also be if you have a peer coach who's from that culture, go and talk to them as well, right? Because they'll give you insights on some of the conversations that you're telling them about. Because mm-hmm. you will not have that. It's just, just what it is. And that has worked as well. So, for example, some of the coaches that I've worked with, they always come and talk to me about, well, Aruna, you know, this thing happened. Now I'm wondering, is that because it's a cultural thing over there? And then I give them some insight on whether it is or whether it's not. And then I ask some details and probing questions that they can then go and get answers for in their own way. But, I mean, the first step towards that bridge is to do some research coming into the team and allow yourself to be vulnerable to that. Yeah, as well as it sounds like be curious. Absolutely. Be curious. Because those guys, you know, as a culture, we are, I mean, Indians typically, when they come together, their job is not to upset you or have conflict with you. Their job, they would really like to please you. Mm -hmm. Right? Because they are here, if you really think through it, they are here on a visa. Most likely, they are here for, they've got to look good for their company. They've got to look for the client. The more you're happy with them, the longer their contract will last. There's a lot of thing going on for them. There's a lot at stake. Yeah. But there's a lot of feel too, right? So you are the guy, you are the, are the guy or the gal who's coming in the room and coaching them. So they look at you as somebody who's older, wiser, you know, who has influence with stakeholders that they don't have. And I think so. you, you, you make up a good point about this idea of the wanting to please, because that can become inauthentic inadvertently if you haven't yes. created the right relationships. And so it, it's yes. it, what I start thinking about is it's almost like lead with relationship. Don't lead yes. with subject matter. No, that, thank you. That is, that's a wonderful thing you just said over the last so many years now, I've come to the point where I am really, when you think about what I care about, I really care about responsible thinking. Mm-hmm. Do I care about whether you're using um, continuous uh, a continuous flow framework or an iterative flow framework? No. Do I care about the mechanics of each of these events? Actually, at the end of the day, I don't. You know what I, ca- I care about? The, the mindset that you have in terms of what is the most responsible thing to do? And let's redefine what responsible looks like. Yeah. If you can redefine what responsible looks like, then you figure out a way to get there. 
Well, and this, we're you know? talking about the things that you believe in this idea of right, being intentional and responsible with your thoughts. It kind of reminds me a little bit of something that really caught me when you gave me your business card. And on the back of your business card, it's kind of got core values or maybe something you call it kind of your personal manifesto. And so it said, um, intention over process, purpose over promotion, effectiveness over consistency, and honesty over acquiescence. What, yes, what, what led I, you to that? These last 12 years of being in this space and trying to um, inspire teams and inspire leaders and trying to nudge organizations towards some level of change has led me to that statement. And I feel so passionately about it at this point that I put it on my business card because I, I feel like we are so busy trying to be consistent, right? Um, why don't we first figure out what is effective? Mm-hmm. And then we also have to evaluate whether that effectiveness can be scaled consistently, right? But don't start off with consistency before you know whether that thing that you're trying to be consistent with is effective, right? Yeah, I mean, is it um, consistency is for consistency's sake? <laughs> and there's a lot of that going on. There's just a lot of that going on. Yeah, uh, let's yeah. Talk about the first one, right? Intention over process. That goes back to what I said earlier. I really don't really care about the process. I really care about what is the intent behind this process, right? This is a, this is, this is a really important thing because we get caught in the mechanics of the process. We get caught in the mechanics without really thinking through what, why did this process occur? When I'm coaching teams and we talk about Scrum, we talk about these events in Scrum, and I'm like, you're not doing Scrum, you're not doing Scrum because anybody can do Scrum. You want to be a real agile team? Think about the intentions of, of these events. Yeah. Then forget. Then you can do them as you please, but think about the intent. The intent is what's going to drive the right behavior. Yeah. Right? So and then you run the risk of um, what some people call cargo cult agile. Going, it's a little bit of walk <laughs> like a duck, act like a duck, and yeah. then you are a duck, but yes. you might not and be you a are duck. A duck. <laughs> yeah. And you, you hear the statement, oh, I can learn Scrum in a week. No, you can't. The very fact that you think you can tells me that you're just not in the right mindset. Yeah. You've got you've got your biases already built in. You know your cup is already more than full. This is the this is the biggest challenge in being a transformation change agent, right? Yeah. Um, part of what I do is I coach. Part of what I do for cognizance is a lot of strategy. Um, but this is the the truth, right? And then. The, the, the third one I have is, um, uh, what do I have? What's my third value? I've forgotten. Now. The, the third one is effectiveness over consistency. So we haven't That's chatted right. on purpose over promotion. Let's talk about that, right? Another thing as a change agent, um, why do I say that I want to coach leadership? The problem is that functional hierarchies are the biggest barrier to a change to change really being taking hold and getting institutionalized. Mm-hmm. One of the, my, talk, my talk at the Agile 2019 conference was about transformation fatigue, and that's because we start transformations at the wrong level. We start uh, seeking Scrum or Kanban to teams who can't say no to you, and that's what you're telling them is, hey, you're doing something bad, so we're going to start off with you adopting one of these frameworks, and suddenly everything should magically be better, Right leaders rarely think of themselves as as they need change. They rarely look in the mirror and say, what do I need to change? What do I need to change in my organization culturally, process-wise, just overall? The problem is functional hierarchies, as in promotions, 
are the problem because your ego is involved. My new talk, what I'm going to do in the Agile Camp in November, is all about purpose over promotion. What if people cared more about bigger purposes rather than controlling more people? Mm -hmm. you, you hear leaders even today talking about those are all my systems. No, they're not your system. Those are all my people. No, they're not your people. They ought not to be. Yeah. I because completely. that immediately brings a control factor, the ego factor, and that's what kills true agility, right? Yeah, I completely so agree. So that's my purpose of, of promotions. And the last one is, instead of act, the reason why you see a lot of agile transformations going wrong is because we're just doing, we're going through the motions. We're acquiescing to what is being told to us. And we're working around the dysfunctions because we want to be busy. Let's be honest about what's really working and what's really not. And as a change agent, I run the risk of getting fired from clients because I'm very honest. And I try to be honest diplomatically, but the goal is I'm not here to be your best friend. Yeah. And as, as all of us who are in this transformation, our goal is to respect each other, but keep each other honest about what dysfunctions are we just working around rather, getting, rather than getting rid of. Yeah. So let's not be acquiescent to these wrong things. Let's acquiescent. Let's have acquiescence over honesty. I, I um. So yeah, and I think the the beauty of of listening to you speak about these so eloquently is um, it reminds me of a book I read, "Lead Life on Purpose," and um, it's this idea of having those core values and having gone through the internal exploration so that you're able to articulate something this clearly really gives you that barometer for how to live life. And I think lots of us um, bounce through our years here on this earth without that sort of compass to help us make decisions and decide what actions we want to take. And am I honoring those things that I truly believe to be important? But if you're unable to articulate yes. them, it's difficult to honor it. Yes, you have to, exactly, exactly, you said it well. You have to be able to articulate it. You have to be able to articulate the insights you've had, the wisdom that you have gained over the last however many years you've been on this planet. And I tell my kids, I even tell my husband every day, um, our goal should be excellent. We should try to be excellent. We don't have to be, try to be perfect. Yep. You know, to, to um, that uh, keynote that we had about being perfect or perfectish or ish. I'm not trying to be perfect. But I want to be try to be excellent every day. I want to strive for excellence. And excellence doesn't always have to lead to perfection. Yeah, and you can be excellent in right? failure as long as you're taking that and sort of finding the wisdom and the learning in it. Exactly. In fact, I would actually say this, right? You can fail often, but being excellent at it would be having a positive attitude with learning outcomes and calibrating it. Your plan, do, check, at mindset. Yes, Right. Yeah. That's being excellent at being at, at failing often. Yeah. If you were just failing often and not and repeating the same mistakes, you're not being excellent at it. No. But having a positive mindset to say, here's why I failed. Here's the things that I had that were inputs to this uh, experiment. And here's what I've gotten out of it. That all of this takes a lot of discipline. Right. It takes a lot of discipline. So when you when you know, and so I laugh at this naivety that I had about 10 years ago about being a coach. Because for an organization to have agility within it, there's a lot of, you have to get rid of your ego. You have to have a lot of respect for each other. 
uh, and you have to be you know willing to change and to think that this was this is a simple task that hey sick a coach to a team or sick a whatever enterprise coach to an organization it's going to just happen that's a false dream yeah yeah you know um yesterday in fact i i just um your strategy conversation in my company and we were creating a new approach and a new role and um i was that role i was defining what would my avatar look like and the gentleman in the room said well what's the career path for this person right i mean what what's the next level for them and i said you know this role is not about another promotion this role is not about getting to a vp or a, or, or or executive vp this role doesn't care about that this role cares about the impact they're making so the way you reward this role is giving them a bigger purpose yeah you don't of course you reward them financially but you don't the titles are irrelevant to this role i mean that's what i've arrived at. i do not care about the title i care about my purpose and obviously i care about the financial reward i get by achieving that purpose as well and the impact i'm making uh, to the ecosystem that i'm doing having this purpose in but titles mean nothing to me yeah i think that's a really important message for a lot of people uh, of our listeners and for the agile community to to hear especially those of us that are um maybe working within large hierarchical organizations um in that that gift yeah. that becomes possible when you're able to tap into that purpose it re- it very much is it reminds me of the Dan Pink work right from drive right autonomy <laughs> mastery and purpose right. that idea of pay me enough well, to take the issue of money off the table and let me focus on meaningful work where I can hone my craft yes that's exactly i mean that is where my head's at yeah. if i had to that is what i would advise people because that's where there's joy there is joy in that yeah absolutely that, you know you might think that there's a there's a perception of joy with the title there's really not and you know the unfortunate part of a lesson like this is that is a lesson that has to be learned by yourself yeah you really you can't no one can tell you yes no one can tell you and when i 21 years old and somebody had said to me aruna this is the last life as i've heard and i'd be like yeah whatever i'm not I'm, i i need that type no actually you don't at this age i can say I don't really care and that's what I was telling my company yesterday in my strategy meeting. I this this role doesn't care about a title. Yeah. This role cares about impact and purpose. That's so. right. Well, Aruna, thank you so much for telling your story, sharing right about your personal manifesto and those values. I think um they're incredibly inspirational. Before we wrap up, is there any kind of final wisdom or thoughts you want to share with folks? I will say that when people ask uh i'll say this right when people when companies initiate change and you are just a person in this organization and somebody tells you that you're going to become this kind of team and that kind of team um think about the intentions behind the ask or the in, in, intentions behind the tell and be curious about that intention more than going through the motions of whatever the new framework being applied to you so the key to your happiness if you don't feel like you have control over the influence or influence over your larger ecosystem as an agile team member i really want you to be curious about the intentions of what's going on around you and and as my manifesto says be honest 
rather than being apprehensive about it. So curiosity, being honest, being purposeful, being intentional, those are things that will make you happy. So do that. Awesome. Well, Aruna, thank you for making this time. Um, This was a good kind of fuel and energy for me today as we had this conversation, and, and I hope it is for all of our listeners. Thank you. I enjoyed myself. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. You're Have welcome. a great day. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization, as well as Accenture Solutions IQ. I hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. You can also go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.